since we've gone through the book of Ephesians, if you're visiting with us, we've been looking at a book of the Bible and just going through and saying, God, what did you um, share uh, with the church back then that matters for us today? Uh, and the book of Ephesians was written as a letter to a whole bunch of people around a town called Ephesus, um, but it wasn't just to them, and that's why it, it uh, carries on till now where there's things that we can learn about it today. So we uh, went through the first three chapters, and we learned uh, uh, basically what this song is singing about, that, that, um, that Jesus came to fix broken lives, and that he's already done it. Everything that you need um, in your life, he's already taken care of that uh, on the cross. If you need healing, uh, forgiveness, if you need freedom, he's already done that. This, and that's what Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 was all about, just telling you, this is who you are in Christ. This is, uh, Jesus did what you couldn't do. He lived a perfect life because you couldn't. And he gave that perfect life so that you could trade with him. You just, you know, giving and living your life for him. He'll give you forgiveness and give you a fresh start and give you another chance. Uh, and Ephesians uh, the, the 4, 5, and 6 is all about how you live that out. Because it's not just this idea of, hey, God did all this stuff for you. It's how does it affect your life today? So we want to talk about two things this morning, how you walk and what you wear. So if you go to a, Ephesians um, chapter 4, oh, you're probably there already. All right, I'll, I'll catch up. Catch up. Ephesians 4, 17 is where we are. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they, um, well, just this dot, 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 live no longer as the Gentiles do. Paul also says this, with the Lord's authority. I, I don't know if Paul knew he was writing the Bible when he wrote this, but at this point in this letter to Ephesians, he's, he, he makes a point of saying, this isn't just my idea. Uh, I, I'm saying, I'm going to put God's name on this at the same time and say, this is what he is telling you. So I, I would say the same thing this morning. This is what God is, wants to speak to you. Um, and, and to just to have your heart open to that. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. That's where he starts. In verse 30, where we hope to get to today, he, um, he, he says this. He says, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. He mentions the word live in both of these places because the word of God is about your life. What you're living right now, this minute, this week, this year, the life that you have, the, the Bible's not like some mystical, cryptic, ancient book that's totally irrelevant today. This, this, there's, there's incredible things that happened historically, but they're for our lives today. It matters what's in here for your life today. And I, and I hope you have that heart in your shame and say, oh, I could learn something that's going to affect me today because it's in that in that, that you'll uh, see life change. Um, the principles are, are meant to affect us. In, um, in another translation of this, and m- many of them translate it this way, they, this first part, they said that you would no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. He's talking about not living, not walking. You ever hear Christians ask things, they're like, hey, how's your walk? And you're like, uh, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? Like, how's my walk? Uh, what is a Gentile? He says, don't walk like Gentiles. What does that look like? You know, many of you, if you're, if you're from another generation, you remember a song called Walk Like an Egyptian, right? And all the teens are like, what? Good. You, you, it was a terrible song. Um, but maybe you're like, you're from way, way back. And you remember like Monty Python's Ministry of Silly Walks. Anybody seen this? You know, they, 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 there's, they actually brought this back the last three years. If you're in the um, Czech Republic, you can, uh, you can join the Silly Walk for a day. And they just walk through the streets uh, and, and, and celebrate this. They think, you know, what does a Gentile walk like? What's a Christian walk like? What's it supposed to be? And I show you that because sometimes we think it's a silly kind of term. But Paul was saying to them, to, to the Gentiles, or to the, to the people of, um, around Ephesus, he's like, don't walk like the Gentiles. Don't, um, uh, don't, uh, don't miss what, uh, what I'm trying to say uh, in that. He's saying, hey, there's a certain walk you should have. And what does it look like? Ephesians 4, verse um, 17 18, it shares what this walk looks like. Uh, it says, um, 
uh, don't walk or, uh, or live no longer as the Gentiles do because they're hopelessly confused. Where does confusion happen? In church, you're like, no. Where does confusion happen? In, in your mind. All right, just remember that. It says, then it says what? Their minds are full of darkness. So we're talking about a walk, but so far two of the things are about their mind. Then it says they wander far from the life that God gives because they've closed their minds. They've hardened their hearts against him. Uh, and so well, this, this whole idea of, uh, of a walk has a whole lot more to do with your head than with anything else. Um, it talks about the thoughts, the minds, the hearts, and they're wandering aimlessly as a result. Their, their walk looks silly. The way they do life, it just doesn't really make sense. It's like they have no sense of purpose, is what Paul is saying. It, to the, to the gent, he's saying about the Gentiles, like, be careful that you don't walk like that with this, with this, um, without having a sense of purpose. And Paul says something here uh, that's just, he says it's not accidental. It's the Gentile walk, the way that people who are not followers of Jesus are walking. It's not accidental. It's this idea of they've done something to end up in these places. And one of those things is that they close their mind. They close their mind to what God would want to say. They just kind of tune him out. It says that their hearts are hardened. You know how a heart gets hardened? This is how. It's like you're sitting in church today, and somewhere in this message this morning, something's going to trigger on the inside, and you go, oh, that's me. Oh, I, I need to do something about that in my life. And you're sitting here and going, oh, man, I only got a few more minutes. So I can get out of here. And oh, that was uncomfortable. I hope that ever happens again. And you leave and do nothing with it. Then you come back the next week, hopefully, and uh, you, hear, you hear all of a sudden again, you feel like God says something again on the inside. Like, oh, well, I really need to deal with that. You know, the way I'm treating my wife, that's just not... It's just, man, he doesn't approve, but I don't know. This is just my comfort zone. You go home and you don't do anything different. And the next time you come back, you kind of get this little twinge of it, but pretty soon you never hear it again. What's happened? You've hardened your heart and you decide to live in a certain way, to walk in a certain way in life, and that leads you somewhere. So that's why Paul is saying to them, he says, sometimes it's just this idea of you close your minds. I don't want what God wants for me. I want to do what I want to do. And then he says the other part is that they, they harden their hearts. When they hear God's voice, they don't respond to it. And the third part, this is just simply that they love darkness more than love light. I just, I just like the bad stuff. I don't care about the consequences. That's kind of just what I want. Ephesians 4 verse 19, he says this, that they have no sense of shame. Uh, they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. If anybody that's you, you might raise your hands. You know, no, all right. Um, he says, that's that Gentile walk. And, and see, we wouldn't admit it and say, oh yeah, that's my life. I live for every lustful pleasure and I eagerly anticipate doing wrong stuff. That's just how I live. But sometimes as Christians, we have this misunderstanding, this thing. We're not sure where we fit um, because sometimes it's this idea of shame. How does a Christian deal with shame? Because we, we talk about the fact that Jesus has done so much for us. Well, there's, there's kind of two polar opposites of what that looks like. One is that, you know, as a, as a, as a Christian, you know, and follower of Jesus Christ, you feel like, uh, you know, every time you do something wrong, it's like this heap of guilt just comes on you. And you're like, oh, I'm a bad Christian. And, and you start beating yourself up, and you think God is too, and he's just pouring it on. You know what? I can't believe you said that to, to that person. You used a, a swear word, and that's just wrong. And you're like, you know, I know, God. I know it's wrong. I know you can't forgive me. I'll try better. I'll live a whole week without swearing at the cat, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be fine. And, and you work your way through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, Saturday, like almost to Sunday. You wake up Sunday morning, step in a hairball, all the cat left beside your bed. You're like, oh, bleep, bleep. And you're like, oh, I can't go to church. I can't worship. I can't sing to God. I'm such a terrible person. You live under this weight of guilt and shame. The other end is this, though, and Paul's warning against this. He says, sometimes there's so many of you, you understand this forgiveness, and you're like, yeah, you know what? Jesus forgave me. I'm all good. You know, it's, I can live my life Monday through Saturday any way I want to, and Sunday, nah, you know, he forgave all that. Thank goodness, because, boy, it was fun. And, and now I'm here, and like, oh, man, I, you know, I know it was wrong, but I'm going to keep doing it because he'll keep forgiving me. 
And Paul's saying this, this idea is not, not how he wants um, the believers to, to live. He says, look at this. W- walk a certain way. Watch your walk. Well, what does it look like? That, you know, what is a Christian and sin? How does that? Because I, I would imagine there's some Christians here who still sin. Okay, I'll just preach to me. All right, so, um, but I thought of two pictures of this, how a Christian deals with sin in their life and how, how, an, how a non-believer, a non-follower, uh, somebody who's, whose heart's been hardened, who's walking in a Gentile way, a way that's not honoring to God. It's like this. I used to um, uh, be a wedding photographer and would take uh, photos at weddings. I, I wasn't great, but I mean, it was, it was all right. So one day we went to uh, a wedding that was in Simcoe and uh, these guys had all met at one of the, uh, the best man's house, and they were all getting ready, and they were going to sit on these bikes, these motorcycles out front in the front lawn. Uh, so they all got dressed up in their tuxes, and then we went out to the front lawn to take these pictures, and sure enough, the groom steps in this massive pile of dog dew right in the front lawn, and it's just like over the top of the shoe. And, and of course, yeah, of course, what do all his buddies do when, when he does that? They laugh at him. They think that's hilarious. They're like, get pictures. So, I mean, those are the only pictures I have of a guy showing up his shoe with, you know, full of dog crap and his, uh, uh, for, his, um, for his wedding photos. And um, as we went through that, it was like, it was funny for a few minutes, but shortly after, it's like, okay, never mind. No more pictures. He went into his best man's house. He went into the bathroom. He grabbed whatever brush he could find. He started sh- brushing this stuff. I was there for the pictures. Never told the best man. But uh, he... Um, he cleaned it off. It was like, and for furiously trying to clean it off because he knew, like, he's like, I, this is not who I am. I'm not dressed for this. This is, this is not, this is not me. This is not me on this day. Uh, walking in dog doo-doo is not, it, it was funny, but it's just not who I am. It's the same idea with Christians. It's like, you know, as you're walking through your life, it's that idea of, of stepping in it sometimes. You're like, oh, I messed up. But there's this twinge on the inside that says, oh, that's not me. That's not how I treat my wife. I'm going to go and make this right. That, oh, that's not you know, that's not how I do business. I, you know, I was, I was in the store, and they didn't charge me the right amount, and I walked in. I was like, yeah, you know, I just, I just scored a deal. Thank you, Lord. And he's like, uh, I didn't do that. You know, you just ripped off that company, that business. And you're like, oh, okay, God, that's not who I am. I'm going back in there. I'm going to make it right. I've had to do that for a 23-cent croissant once. A different story. Um, but you get that twinge on the inside, and you go in, and you say, you know what? That's not me. I'm going to make it right. The other side of it is this. There's a, there's a, a blue lagoon. It's uh, what they call a blue lagoon in Derbyshire, England. Um, and it looks like this. It's pretty, pretty sweet. Um, the people of England have, uh, have thought that this reminds them of the Bahamas, which is, uh, what, here's a picture of the Bahamas. I was there. It's very similar in looking, very inviting. The water is, you know, blue at the blue lagoon, just like it is in the Bahamas. But um, uh, it, even though it's inviting, the water actually in the blue lagoon is almost as toxic as bleach. The pH level is so high that it's, uh, it's, it's actually dangerous to swim in it. Uh, it it's, the thing is that that doesn't stop people. There's a chain link fence around the place. There's warning signs that say this. Polluted water contains car wrecks, dead animals, excrement, and rubbish. That is a word we need to bring back to like this side of the, uh, of the continent. Rubbish. It's a great, great word. But he says this. Do not enter. You can get skin and eye irritation, stomach problems, fungal infections, um, such as thrush, and other infections such as rashes. Would you swim in this? And you think, yeah, you're right. Seeing those signs, nobody's swimming in that. But actually, they swim in that all the time. They, uh, people, all kinds of people would go to this place because it just looked so sweet, and they would swim in there. There was a mom who was there the one day while they were, they were um, uh, writing a, an article for the paper, and she said, they said, don't you realize what's in this water? Didn't you read the signs? And she said, um, uh, as her five- and six-year-old boys were swimming in it, she says, I'm not concerned. 
I just told the children not to swallow the water or to go in over their necks. And I'm like, and did you know what five and six-year-old boys are going to do? Yeah, they're going to drink the water. They're going in over the necks. And then so they mentioned that to her, and she said, but it's just so beautiful and blue now that the sun is out. Swimming in the toxic waters, encouraging others to do the same. That's the idea of, of those who don't know the Lord. It's like this idea of everything. They're just swimming in, in, um, in toxic um, uh, actions, toxic behaviors, and think just everyone else is doing it. It's fine. You know, everyone drinks that much. It's all right. Everyone smokes that stuff. It's all right. Nobody's getting hurt. Everyone, you know, is a little, you know, has a little thing on the side in their marriage. And, you know, everyone is flirty at work with the other, uh, with the other employees. It's all right. And they don't have that, that twinge factor that goes off inside and says, ah, that's, that's not the walk that I've been called to walk. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 says this. Paul said to them, hey, they live like this excitement about living uh, in, in, in things that are evil. And he says this, but that's not how you learned about Christ. And the way that translation is, is basically saying that while you were walking a road like that, you didn't find Christ on that road. As you were like saying, hey, I'm going to live for, all, everything's all about me. And it's this pursuit of pleasure. That's not where you found Jesus. What you found was emptiness, brokenness, death in relationships, death in your marriage, death in your friendships, the hurt, all of that stuff that you, you were promised was going to be awesome actually never happened. And that's where Jesus found you. You know, with this idea of really nothing to offer him, but he says, I'm going to rescue you. I, I, I love you. I came to fix broken lives. And that's what he he, um, he, he says here, that's not how you found Christ. He says, there's a different kind of walk we're calling you to. Well, what would the opposite of a Gentile walk look like? It'd be a walk where there's a mind that's open to what God wants to say. Is that you this morning? Is your mind open to say, okay, God, yeah, what, what do you want to tell me this morning? It would be a heart that's not calloused or hardened and saying, God, okay, I'm here this morning. If you want to talk to me, I'm willing to do with you. I'm willing to do what you say. Thoughts that are full of his truth rather than just what, you know, his common opinion. It's this idea of, God, I want to know what's true. So he, he says to the, the Gentile or to the um, Ephesian church, he says, you know what? It's all about how you walk and it's all about what you wear, Ephesians 4.21, he says this, since you've learned, or since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, some translations say since you've met Jesus and realized you know the truth because Jesus is the truth. He says, since you know the truth, he says this, um, um, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. What's he, Paul uses these words. He's like, hey, since you know the truth about where that stuff leads you, you you've just heard it. He's saying that stuff just leads you to this, this uh, place of death and, and, and uh, toxic uh, results. He says, since you know the truth about Jesus, he's like, all of a sudden he starts talking about things that we would, we would relate to clothing. This idea of, you know, throw off the old stuff and put on some new stuff. And, you know, it's something that you all did today. Thank you, Lord. You know, you all this morning decided, I'm going to put on clothes. I'm going to, some of you put a whole lot of thought into what you're going to wear. You match. You know, and some of you, you didn't think much. You'd be like, oh man, it's 930. I got to get to church. And you just put something on and, and came here today. We're thankful either way. Um, but your clothing, it says something about you. Clothing says something about you. It makes a statement. For some of you, that statement is you should not be allowed to shop for yourself. Um, <laughs> For, for some of you, the statement is, your wife dressed you this morning, and um, that's okay. Um, for some of you, your clothing says you've got style, and for others, it just says you don't care about style or fashion at all. 
For some of you, you love Harley Davidson. For some of you, you love the Leafs. You're still wearing the undies and you know, we, we don't know. You love John Deere. Uh, or maybe it's that style that you, you have. You know, you're preppy, you're sporty, you're punk, you're sophisticated, you're schlumpadinka, as Oprah would say, for all you moms who just wear your sweaties and your like long t-shirts for five days in a row at home. Um, you're edgy, you're vintage, you know, you're western, you're rocker, you're biker. We got a few of those. You're flirty, you're modest, you're formal, casual, emo, hippie, or just simply original. But your clothes say something about you. What you're wearing on the inside also makes a statement about you. And Paul was saying that it's not just what you have on the outside, but what you're wearing on the inside. And he actually changes it even more as he shares with other, other um, uh, churches. He says it's not what you're wearing on the inside as much as who you're wearing on the inside. And we get that too because, you know, at the Oscars a couple uh, months ago, uh, as people are walking up the red carpet, all the famous movie stars, uh, they, they ask them this question, well, who are you wearing today? And they'll answer things like, well, this is a gown by Prada or Dior or uh, Calvin Klein or Armani or Versace or, or Gucci. And today I could ask you, you know, who are you wearing? Some of you, you're wearing those names. And others of you, you would say, well, I'm wearing H&M. I'm wearing Levi's. I'm wearing American Eagle. I'm wearing Joe. I'm wearing Giant Tiger. I'm wearing Oshkosh. I'm wearing Hurley, Nike, or Mark's Work Warehouse. But you're wearing someone. You're wearing someone this morning. And Paul's saying that same idea. You're putting on someone. You're putting on a label. And, he's, and, and so to the, to the church in Galatia, he wrote and said to them, hey, put on Jesus Christ like you'd put on new clothes. Not just put on some stuff. Put on him. Put, put on him in, in the way you're doing life. Put on Jesus like you would put on new clothes. In Romans, he said to them, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And to this church in, in, in Ephesus, he's like, put on that new person. Put on that newness of, of you. My question for you this morning is, who are you wearing today? Who are you wearing? Uh, I say, well, I don't know what this whole idea of, of what I'm wearing or not wearing. Paul says it this, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Sometimes people have a hard time getting rid of clothes. Anybody else, you know, in spring cleaning, it's like, oh, I just can't part with that. Uh, I have things that, you know, they're just comfortable, sentimental. It's too difficult to part with. Take it out of that pile and put it in that one because I might need it someday. Every pair of jeans that's too holy for me to wear on Sundays, which is just ironic, but uh, those, those jeans end up becoming my paint clothes. And this week I realized that I have an awful lot of paint clothes. I've got paint clothes from like 10 years ago that um, all the jeans just get stored. I could, hire, I could have a paint business uh, with the amount of paint clothes that I have because I just can't get rid of them. Um, I have a sweater that my sister-in-law gave me 10 years ago that I haven't worn for three years. I just can't give it away. It's one of those cool neck ones, you know, that might come back in style someday. Um, but I have a t-shirt from my brother's wedding that says, I went to Len and Michelle's wedding, and that was like nine years ago. I just can't get rid of it. Like, it faded so bad, and she had made it, so I, I gave it back to her to make it dark again and, and color it so people could read it, and, and I kept it. You know, some of you are like, wow, those socks I have, I know, this, they got lots of holes, but the toe and the heel are still covered. I'm keeping them. I, I just can't get rid of it. And Paul's saying the same idea. He's like, throw off that sinful nature, but for some of us, there's things about it that ah, it's comfortable. I don't know, God, if I could, you know, throw that part of me off. I, 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 I've, I've done this my whole life. For some of you, it's like, I just don't know if I can get rid of it. For some, it's comfortable. For some, it's sentimental. And for some, it's just always been that way for you. And he's saying, you know, that that path, that walk always leads to that destination. I learned last night that the, um, the what's that? Oh, man, the trail. I don't do walking. Lynn Valley Trail, thank you. Goes from Port Dover to Simcoe and then on to Brantford, I guess. So, but if you started in Port Dover and walked towards Simcoe, um, and, and as you're walking along there, is that trail going to lead you to Calgary? No. Where's it going to take you? 
Simcoe. If you stay on that path, you're going to end up in Simcoe every time. And Paul's saying this, when you're walking, you're walking a path and it will take you to a destination every single time. The walk that, in the way that you treat your wife, for instance, you know, you don't, if you're not valuing her, if you're not, it's going to lead you to a place where your marriage ends up on the rocks every single time. You treat your kids like, like it's all about rules as long as my house is, runs like a tight ship because I got, you know, my kids are in line and then when they're 16, they don't want to be around anymore. Why? That, that, that idea of just rules with no relationship, it's going to cause rebellion every single time. Paul's saying the path you're walking will lead you to heartache and hurt every single time or it'll lead you to life. So he's saying this idea of why, since you've been set free, since you have new life, why would you want to carry dead stuff around with you any longer? Um, I had a friend of ours, we had a, a dog back in the day that would uh, kill ducks. because We had a duck farm. And uh, so we were talking with a friend of ours about how do you get a dog to stop killing ducks? And um, they, they, she said, well, I know how it works with chickens. You know, they had a dog that killed chickens. And so they would, they, the, you know, they found online, you just, you take the dead chicken that the dog killed, you tie its legs together and you tie it around its neck and you let the dog carry the dead chicken around for, uh, for a day. And by the end of that day, the dog will be so like repulsed by the fact that it has to carry a dead chicken around that it will no longer kill chickens. And so we asked her, did it work? And she's like, well, not really. Our dog's been wearing the dead chicken for four days already, and it's rotting and green. And every time we take it off, the dog just wants to lays by the chicken because it just loves this dead chicken. I was like, of course they do. Dogs love dead stuff. I mean, we, our neighbor's dog, when we lived at the place, we had this pile of dead, rotting ducks, and the neighbor's dog went and rolled in the maggoty ducks and then went back home to their house. And, and we had to move shortly after that. That was my landlord. Um, uh, but why? Because they find this stuff and they just love the dead stuff. And, and the idea is this, that we can, we can try and focus on the dead stuff in our life and say, oh yeah, you know, I gotta, I gotta deal with this. I gotta really work harder on that. Make that more. You know, I gotta fix it. And he's just like, no, just throw it off. Just, just don't even focus on that. Just throw that off and put on new clothes. Focusing on it will never actually fix it. And that's why I say this morning as the Holy Spirit drops things in your heart, it's not this idea of I gotta focus on that to fix it. He already fixed it. He's like, throw it off and put on something new. What is the new? Put on a new nature. Looks like this. When we were kids, our, our moms dressed us. You know, as we grew up, then, you know, maybe our wives dress us or someone else that we watch, you know, dresses us. But my mom didn't dress me this morning. I had to dress myself. Uh, and that's the same idea that God starts the process in our life. But at some point, we have to take the ownership of dressing ourselves. We are responsible for what we are wearing today. You are responsible for who you are wearing today. You are responsible for the walk that you're on, the path that you're on today. God began the process with us because without the initial heart change in us, you can't change anything on your own. You can't just decide, ah, I want to be a better person. And I'm going to go to church. I'm going to learn some stuff. I'm going I'm to be a better person. Jesus never gave his life to make bad people good. He gave his life to make dead people live. That's why he came to change something on the inside and do it for you. Do you realize, I was talking with somebody last night. You know, uh, they were struggling with some stuff. And, and uh, I asked them, when were you set free? And, and she's like, I don't know. It's like, you know, when I got saved. I'm like, no, was, it, think back. When did Jesus set you free? She's like, yeah, you're right. It's when he died on the cross. He paid for freedom. So in, if you're struggling with an addiction, you're already free because of what Jesus did. 
it's like, oh, it's kind of a, a mindset. You're like, but he wants to change the way you think about things. Because if you think about fighting that, you know, giving up smoking when you realize you're already free in Jesus Christ, it's a whole lot different than fighting that battle from a losing position. You fight from a spot of already winning because of what he's done. He's already done it. The prodigal son, if you know the story in the Bible, he came back covered in, in pig, um, in, in just living in a pig pen, came home and said to his dad, dad, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fix this. I'll be, a, I'll be your servant. And what does the dad say? He says, no, I'm putting this, I'm putting this um, family robe on you. This is who you are. You're family. I'm just going to put that on you. He says that to you, and we saw that all through Ephesians. You're already righteous in Jesus Christ. You're already holy in Jesus Christ. You're already forgiven in Jesus Christ. You're already his kid in him. He says all of these things. You're already blessed with everything you need in him. So God says, you know what, here, I'm going to provide the wardrobe for you, but then he calls us to wear the clothes, which means we have a choice. How do you do it? How do you put on the new clothes? It's like those quick change artists. You ever watch them on those, those talent shows where like, they're, they're like the lady's wearing a dress, she walks past this little, little uh, I don't know, ribbon, and all of a sudden, boom, she's wearing a different dress. And you're like, wow, that was quick. And some of us, we think that's the way it's going to work with God. We're like, you know, okay, God, I just, all right, I heard the message today. I'm going to go home, and God, I'll let you kind of fix this in my life. And boom, tomorrow, I'm a totally different person. How many of you have ever tried that and realized it doesn't quite work that way? It, it, it doesn't work that way. Paul said, said this to them. He's saying, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes constantly. God's idea isn't that you're going to be perfected tomorrow. His idea is that the journey, as you go through it, you're, you're allowing Holy Spirit to change the way you think about things. Change your mind. Change your thoughts. Let it be open to His way and not just your way. It, it's this idea of, well, what does a God-fashioned life look like? If I'm going to wear His label, if I'm going to wear His fashion, if I'm going to put that on, what does that look like? I'll tell you, in our last couple minutes here, he says this, that the God kind of life is all about very relational clothing, very relational stuff. It's, it's something where he's building a, a body that is going to work together in love, and they're wearing, those kinda, they're wearing those kind of clothes. It's something that happens day to day. This idea of what I'm going to wear today, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, he basically says, you know, this is how you put on that kind of life. This is how you put on Jesus Christ. He says, for one, it's, it, it all, like I say, it all starts with that realization of receiving uh, forgiveness, deciding, you know what, God, I'm going to live my life for you and not for me anymore. But then he says this, this is what that, that walk looks like. He says, so stop telling lies. So if you're a liar, just, it's this idea of, you know what, I, I'm going to stop telling lies. So when you, you know, you, you wake up in the morning and your mom's there and she's like, uh, all right, Jimmy, where's the $10 that was on the counter last night? And everything in you is like self-preservation, self-preservation, you know. Um, uh, I saw it there, but uh, I don't know. It must have fell on the floor and dog ate it, I guess. You know, I, I don't know what happened to it. When you know that you took it and went and bought pizza and ate it, it's the idea of saying, you know what, okay, you know what, I'm not wearing those clothes anymore. The old me would have lied to self-preserve, but God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna be wear truth. I'm going to wear different clothes this morning. And say, you know what, Mom, this is what happened. I'm telling the truth. But it's that choice of saying, I'm not wearing those clothes. It's like the, the idea, he goes on to say, don't let anger control you. He didn't say, don't be angry. If we weren't angry about stuff, then we'd never solve any of the, the, the social injustices that happen on our planet. But he says, don't let anger control you. For some, it's like this. I've heard it so many times where, you know, people who deal with this are just like, yeah, you know what, I'm just a hothead. You know, my dad was a hothead, my grandpa's a hothead. I was just born this way. And she just knows, she just pushes my buttons. And it's like, she, she just waits to see, and I, I can't really help it. 
He's saying you can choose to wear those clothes or you can choose to say, you know what? God, your clothes say a soft answer turns away wrath. I'm going to try that. I'm going to wear something different today. You know, he says don't be angry. Uh, Don't let the sun go down. Don't stew about stuff all day. For some of you, you know, it's this idea of, oh, something gets you in the morning. Your wife said something, you first thing, and you're just like, oh, that's it. You know, fine, I'm going to make you coffee and pour, like, moldy cream into it, and it'll carry you going. Then you're, like, stewing all day, and you're like, at work, can't wait to get home. I'm going to tell her. You're planning it out. you got a whole lot of stuff, and you get home, you're like, yeah, I told her, you know. And you're like, you, you just avoid her all night, and then when it's time to, you know, go to bed, you go to bed, and you grab all the comforters, and you just roll yourself up in it and lay on your side. It's like, yeah, all right, she didn't even say that to me. This, and, and, and you wait for the the next morning so you can start it all over again. He's saying, don't. Just change your clothes. Do it differently. Have that idea of, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear something different today. I'm going to um, I'm gonna choose not to allow anger to control my life. If you're used to stealing, quit stealing. If you're cheating on your income taxes all the time, just stop. Say, oh, you know, yeah, usually I claim this, but this, this year, I'm just going to do it differently. I'm going to wear different clothes. For some of you, it's like, I just can't help myself. Those people are so rich. That 7-Eleven, they don't need the money. They're not going to miss the Slurpee I just took in my pocket. You know, they're, they're not going to miss any of that kind of stuff. I don't, don't know if that's possible. But the, uh, the idea of, of, you know what, it's just, you can justify yourself. But it's like this idea, you know what, no, it's not me anymore. I'm not wearing those clothes. Don't use foul or abusive language. You know, some are great at this because they think that, you know, they can find, I, I don't know, they find ways to say really mean things in really nice ways. And Christians do it too, and they just call it, well, we're speaking the truth in love. It's like, you know, they smile at you, like, that dress is absolutely hideous. I'm so glad you wore it today. We love and accept everyone. Thanks for giving us a chance to do that. And it, it's, it's like this thing of saying something, you know, incredibly mean. Be like, oh, you know, it's in love. He's saying, wear different clothes. He says, what's it look like? If you're going to talk, he's like, think about the idea of I'm going to say something that's good, helpful, encouraging amazing how much life can come out of words. Then Paul says in verse 30, he says, you know, and don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own. His label is on you. As a follower of Jesus Christ, his label is on you. And it says this, he's identified you as his own and guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And then in verse 31, he goes right back to it. He says, while you're cleaning out your closet, get rid of some of this stuff. Bitterness. You don't need bitterness. The idea of you don't need to keep that t-shirt of bitterness around anymore. This, the thing that just like, ah, it's always the, this thing that you're angry about. He says, just, just get rid of it. You don't need it. You don't need the harsh words, the quarreling. You know, that same argument you have with your wife. Just, just lose. Just, just lose. And say, you know what? All right, we're not going to fight about your mom anymore. I'm not wearing that shirt anymore. You know, I'm going to live in a different, I'm going to live in a different way. And, and for, you, for the wives too, I'm really hard on the husbands today, sorry. Um, Father's Day's coming up, just getting ready. Um, but uh, uh, it, it's, it's this idea of, uh, of living something um, differently, deciding. You went to the closet this morning and decided what you were going to wear today. He's saying that same idea of saying, go to the closet and say, I'm going to put on Christ today. I'm going, and it's going to affect my real life. That's why he mentions all of these things. Slander, the, the, you know, the, the evil words you say about one another. He says, get rid of it. He says, the all types of ill will towards people. He's like, put on different clothes. I'm just going to live something differently. And Paul says it like this. When he says, get rid of it, it's this idea of let those things be lifted off of you. Because what we don't realize is those kind of clothes are heavy. They're burdensome. They make your life uh, and living actually miserable. And so Paul says, put on Jesus Christ. Throw off the way, the old way you used to do stuff, and put on this new nature of just following Jesus Christ. And I love the last verse because he says this. What does he tell you to put on? Instead, be kind to each other. How about you put on that today? 
this idea of just simple kindness. Put on tender, being tenderhearted, a little bit of compassion, putting on some forgiving one another because Christ forgave you, putting on this understanding type of clothes. Let me ask you this question. What would your marriage look like if your spouse wore those kind of clothes? What would your parenting look like if your kids would just wear those kind of clothes? Pretty awesome. Forget those two questions. What does your life look like if you wear those kind of clothes? What's different in your life if you'll just say, you know what, today, yes, it drives me crazy, but I'm going to put on kindness today. I'm just going to put on love. I don't care what he says. I'm going to put on love today. With my kids, I'm going to put on relationship. I'm going to put on time with them. I'm going to put on the sense of understanding because I value them. How does it work? The thing is, it's not something you do on your own. It works like this, and please don't miss this. If you're asleep, just wake up because you've got to hear this part. So this is, this is it. How does Holy Spirit do this in our lives? Because he says it's him renewing our minds. It's him um, changing the way our thoughts and our attitudes about things. The way Holy Spirit works is like this. It's like a parent with their child in public. You know, you go to the grocery store, and I went with my kids to buy a Mother's Day gift a while back, and they all reach for everything in nuts and bulk. And uh, all I had to do is like, <clears throat> and, you know, as Reese's reaching, <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's right, Dad, you told me not to reach for stuff. Max, I got to do it like five times, but he eventually gets it. It'll be this idea. Today, as you're going through your life, as you're in relationships, and as those moments happen, you're going to hear that, <clears throat> remember this morning? Oh, oh yeah. I got a choice. Listen for the, it's going to be quiet. It's never this idea of yelling or forcing change in you. Why? Because you're responsible for the walk and you're responsible for what you wear. He's just calling you. He's provided it all for you. He says you can live life differently. So my question for you this morning again is, who are you wearing today? And if it's not what you want, who are you going to put on today? Let's pray. Father, thanks for your word. Thank you for the life that it gives. Thank you that it's real for us today. Thank you for the chance we have to, to have relationships and do life to make a difference in this world. God, I just pray this morning that you would take this and take it to the next step. That as, as we leave this place, as we go out and are, are doing life, that we would hear your voice. That we would purpose in our hearts to put on you and to live life in that new nature, to walk that out every single day, starting with today pray for your strength and courage to do that. God, I pray for just a fruit of love and joy and laughter in homes as a result. Thank you for these amazing people. I pray you bless them today uh, and give them uh, just a chance to, to grow in that walk with you. Love you a lot, Lord. It's for your name. I pray. Amen.